Hello, it's Roger Bisbee here from Skill Builder, back with another podcast. Podcast number four, I believe it is. No, it's podcast number three. And it's funny, considering this is about fault finding, I'm going to find the first fault, and that's you f***ing up the podcast number. It's number three. I've always been bad with numbers. <laughs> now, Dylan is the brains. He's the talent, really, behind Skill Builder. He sits the other side of the camera, and he does all the editing on the videos, and so all that clever work that you see that turns our rough work into something shining. And <laughs> Anyone that's been watching for a long time might remember I did a couple of episodes. I did yeah. one on CCTV, and yeah. no, actually they're both CCTV. So yeah, you're, uh, you're the geek, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. The tech stuff. He is our resident geek. So, so what we're talking about in this podcast is about fault finding, about diagnostic fault finding. And Dylan's a good man to, to have. I mean, Robin sits in with us quite a lot and he's good on the business. But as a carpenter, Robin doesn't come across too much of that kind of work. As a plumber, a customer phones you up and they say to you, I've got no hot water. Now, there's two ways you can have no hot water. <laughs> One is you can have no water coming out of your hot tap. And the other is that the water coming out of your hot tap is not hot. Which one is it? And at that point, I usually ring off. But, but it just shows you, you know, de- describing the problem is the first thing. I've kind of specialised a little bit in fault finding. It's not something that's going to make you a lot of money because you waste an awful lot of time getting to the problem. But if you do solve the problem, there's a great deal of satisfaction in it. And eventually, your reputation is enhanced and they start using you for other things. Absolutely. I was about to say that. Your, yeah. your stock goes mm. through the roof then. If you're the person that can fix it, and quite often, people are worried. Someone's going to come up to your house and they might spot a simple problem and try and, and, and pad it out. But yeah. if you can be the person that comes in and says, do you know what? I found that it was just this. I just needed to flip the switch or whatever it was. If you can come and solve it easily, I think, ah, oh, this is a guy. This is a guy I can trust. I suppose it's ego, really, but I'm a bit of a sucker for that thing where where somebody phoned up and they said, we've had three or four people around here. None of them have been able to solve the problem. And I go, let me at it, let me at it. I just can't wait to get around there. And it's a bit of a Sherlock Holmes thing, that, isn't it? Where they say, you know the famous phrase, the Sherlock Holmes thing, do you? The game is afoot? Uh, no, that's another one. <laughs> the one it's I was thinking of. Game. The, other, the other thing. <laughs> the one I was thinking of was... When they say eliminate all possibilities and whatever you're left with, however improbable, must be the answer. So it's, it's a deduction, isn't mm. it? But, but the worst thing, I think, and you know, the, the, the reason you're in on this chat is because you are a geek, you're a computer guy, you get involved in a lot of things. A bit like plumbers, your family and friends grow exponentially. Everyone goes, Dylan, my computer's not working. Yeah. And you're having to fix all kinds of things. For all all the time. People. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, and the thing is, because, um, I mean, going back like 20 years, it was just computer problems. So, and then it started to become mobile phones. And I got to the stage where I said, look, I don't know. You know There's so many different mobile phones. I don't know. But the one thing you always come back to, even like TVs now, because they're computers as well, just say, look, don't even call me until you've done the reboot. And I'm sure it's the same with... Yeah, so, switch, know, it, so, so, so yeah. switch it Don't switch call it me until you've done that. So switch it off, switch it on. Yeah. And can I just say one more thing to you, by the way? Because, <laughs> yeah. because you know, you are the man who does the filming and the editing. Don't thump the table. Because <laughs> well, you did that in the because, first podcast in the pub. sound men hate that, don't they? I, I had a fridge go wrong on me so it was under warranty so we called the guy in 
Within 10 minutes, I'd lost faith in him. He was just randomly replacing parts. <laughs> was he Googling as well? He was just, <laughs> you know, let's, oh, it must be this. And, he's, and it wasn't that. And then he shoved in another bit and then he shoved. And they said, oh, it must be the process. Of, and they always go for this. Now, boilers, you know, that's a classic thing. You know, they come in straight away, have a look at it. Must be your PCB. Yeah. Now, boilers are getting cleverer now because they've got diagnostic codes on them. So the newer boilers will actually tell you what is wrong with them. So you can see the, the fault code well, yeah, on the you, front. You did that mild boiler, didn't you? The Worcester Bosch. Right? Yeah, had yeah, a problem. Absolutely. It was coming, out, coming up with a symbol. E1 and you or said, whatever. I know what that is. Yeah. And I think we solved it. And I suppose that's the thing. If, if you've got that, that troubleshooting process down to a fine art, you can solve the problem without leaving home. Well, funnily enough, I did it when I was on holiday in Mauritius a couple of years back, and uh, my son phoned. He said, the boiler's broken down. I said to him, OK, so what does it say? And he said, OK, it's an E1 fault. And I went, OK. Now, I had my laptop, so I just did a very quick little Google on E1 fault on that particular You had your laptop on holiday? Yeah, I always take the laptop yeah. on holiday. So, so there it came up. I've got to work, you know, I've yeah. got to carry on. So it came up with the, the fault, and I was able to order the part the, the next day delivery on the part, and then I got my mate from down the road to come and fit it. So that was remote fault finding oh, and, and, and fixing yeah. so a plumber that doesn't make house calls I mean that's my dream really. <laughs> it would be great if you had what I've got with like my dad is always having problems with his computer he's 80 years old so he does really well but there are some things it's like you know, stuff's not working and uh, can do a remote desktop so I can uh, log into his computer yeah. and see exactly. So he just watches yeah. the cursor yeah. fly around the screen as I'm fixing things. So it'd be great if you could do that with plumbing yeah. stuff. It, it'll well. come. It'll come because, <laughs> it, because it's getting clever. And, and what they're doing now, of course, you know this in engineering, they put sensors on everything. Mm. So what they do is that they, they, they take the sort of algorithm, they take the parameters and they say, this is what the machine is like when it's working perfectly. And then, of course, as soon as the sensor starts to sense a slight vibration of bearings, they're onto it. Yeah. And this, apparently, is now the thing where they can get a boiler to phone the engineer, oh, so right. you don't even know. So it's a bit like a Tesla, you know, the Tesla yeah, cars, absolutely. the, the yeah. Tesla HQ are connected to your car and they can tell you exactly That's what's wrong so, with it. So we don't know if this is a bit of a con or not, do we? <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing is that the, the, the boiler service guy turns up at your door and uh, he says, oh, I've come to fix your boiler, so it's not broken yet. Yes, it will be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so they're ahead of the game. But when we go back to the human being thing, so so what I found with this, this fridge engineer is just randomly replacing parts. And I see that all the time. I see people that jump to conclusions. I see guys who come in and say, oh, it's this. And, and it's that because that's what it was last time they looked at a similar sort of problem. So yeah. they're working on history. So I think the first thing is I would say to anybody in fault finding, it doesn't matter whether it's building, it doesn't matter whether it's electrical plumbing, whatever, it's got to be evidence-based. Mm. You've got to gather your evidence. Now, you might find this hard to believe, but when I go into a house and I start fault finding, go, what do you think it is? What do you think it is? They say, I don't even want to talk. I just want to go around and, and think and work stuff out. But they're, they're waiting. They're, they're asking you for an instant verdict. You know, you're, you've been five minutes in the property and, and immediately they're saying, what is it, what is it? So I say, look, just leave me. When I gather evidence, I'll write it down. So I'm distracted. It's just a dog. That's all right. Listen, uh, Bernie, come, noise, here. come here, dog. come here, Bernie. What's up? Come on, come just... on. <laughs> right, so this is Bernie. And <laughs> Bernie is a... a, a the Cocker Spaniel, the English yeah, Cocker Spaniel. Half human, half dog, really. Yeah, that's right. He uh, does display a lot of characteristics absolutely. of a human being, doesn't he? Well, he does, absolutely. And you, to be fair, display a lot of characteristics <laughs> of a dog. <laughs> the questions you ask the householder, 
about the history of the problem. And a lot of the time, say, it was working perfectly well yesterday. Yeah. And and that, of course, is. And then and then people say, oh, the boiler's broken down. So 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 what's happened? What's changed? What have you done? I said, well, I bled the radiator. So you go, okay, so you bled the radiator. Do you get much air out? Yeah, I've got a fair amount of air out. So what's happened there is the boiler pressure has dropped. And therefore, you need to just recharge the boiler, bring it up to pressure, bring it up to one bar, and away it goes. So things like that are very, very simple. But it you know, can help if you just try and find out what people have been doing. If, if there's any kind of circumstances, like, like if it's cold, for example, could be a frozen condensate on, yeah. on the boiler. So I was working on LBC radio doing, uh, I did a fix-it phoning for 15 years. One of the guys I worked with was Steve Allen. He said to me one day, he said, I've got this problem in my flat with a damp. He said, I've had somebody around that looked at it and they told me it was rising damp. He was on the third floor. It's <laughs> a lot of rising. So I said, it's highly unlikely Steve, yeah. to be rising damp. But somebody had come around, somebody was very, very keen to sell him their services, had come around, diagnosed the rising damp, seen all these damp patches on the flat, all the way around, and they said to him, oh, it must be the damp of course. So they'd hacked off all the plaster, all yeah. the way around to three foot high. Around the whole flat, they'd injected it with silicon damp proof fluid. They'd re-plastered with waterproof render. So standard damp proof treatment you yeah. get in an old house, you know, except that flat was only 20 years old and it was on the third floor. A few weeks went by, damp's come back again didn't do anything so it's cost him a few thousand quid hasn't solved the problem so he got somebody else in and the next guy came in and he said I think it's your central heating system it's got to be a leaking pipe under the floor somewhere now if it's a leaking pipe under the floor where how do you find it what's going on but the thing that led him to think that was that the, the damp was appearing around the sides of the radiators yeah. in almost every case it was either side of a radiator not in the middle but either side of a radiator deduced that there was a leak in the in the central heating pipes he didn't do any checking he didn't do a pressure test on the pipes to check if they were actually dropping just pressure assumed. which he could, could have done so easily he could just put a pressure gauge on that pumped it up left it overnight come in checked it the next morning if the pressure dropped he'd know that it was highly likely to be a, a leak but he didn't do that he said to Steve Right, so what, what I'm going to do is, he said, I'm going to cut all those pipes off. He said, I'm going to rerun all the pipes in your flat on the surface. And he was very neat with his copper pipe work, and he ran all these pipes on the surface. He ran around the top of the doors, all over. It was beautiful, you know? Yeah. So somebody's got copper pipes all around his, all around his hands. The guy went away, took his money. That'll fix your problem, except, of course, it didn't. Then... <laughs> Maybe you're a surveyor in, and a surveyor had a look at it, and a surveyor made certain noises. So, oh, well, we, we, we'd take a sample of the, the water, we go away and we test it in the lab, and you know, it just went on. So, I said to him, I'll come around and have a look at it, I'll see what's going on, if, you know, see if I can see what's going on. I kind of just looked at what was going on, and the pipes were in a kind of duct in the floor. They used to do this quite a lot, it was a kind of little gutter, if you like, mm. and the central Williams pipes were running the floor with a bit of chipboard over the top of them. I traced the pipes back to where they went up into the airing cupboard and into the boiler. And so I looked where they came down out of the airing cupboard and they went through the wall and they came in under the bath panels. And when I took the bath panel off, the little flexible hose pipe that goes from the overflow um, on yeah. the bath had dropped off. They, they're only a push fit fitting yeah. at the best of times. And it had dropped off. And it was lying there in this little ducting, this gutter. So every time Steve was having a shower or a bath, that water was pouring out of that pipe 
and going all the way around the house in this sort of moat system, if you like, this, this ducting, yeah. depositing damp on the walls. And it's been going on for months. It was 50p for Jubilee clip, push the hose back on there, do the Jubilee clip up, yeah. problem solved, you know? Yeah. And the point is that nobody that had been there had bothered to take the time to eliminate all the possibilities. Yeah. They just jumped to conclusions. So that kind of thing, so do you think that a lot of people, well, when they're troubleshooting, they think about previous job rather than looking mm. at the evidence. They're thinking about previous jobs. Mm. That's the worst what, thing. What have I run into before? It's, exactly to it's, it's all about history. It's mm. all about this happened once before, and when it happened once before, it was this. So therefore, it's always going to be that, or yeah. it's highly likely to be that, which, of course, is nonsense, you know. And um, you just get this all the time. I had a, another case where... I was doing some work and, and I took some floorboards up and I found that the boiler flue that went through the floor was disconnected. It's basically, it was spilling out the, the, the fumes from the boiler mm-hmm. under the bedroom floor. <clears throat> now, the people that live there, I said to them, I've just discovered your boiler flue is not connected to And they said, I can't believe it. Their two daughters had shared that bedroom and had had a history of all kinds of allergies and, and headaches and yeah. running eyes and those... And they'd been to the doctors countless times and the doctor had given them antihistamines and all kinds of things. They said, oh, they must have an allergy. And they'd only solved it in a way because they'd been on holiday and when they went on holiday, it all stopped. Mm. So then they started thinking it must be something with, to do with that room and they didn't know what, but they moved them into another room. Thank goodness, because they might have been dead by now. Yeah. And that kind of... But there's the doctor. The doctor looking at what he knows... And the question he's not asking, and of course he's not a boiler engineer or anything like that, but he's not asking, yeah. what's the environment like? So I went to a, a, a guy about a bad back once, and the bad back turned out to be the shoes I was wearing to work. But of course, oh, when, right. I, when I went to see him... You were wearing your clown shoes. I was wearing a clown shoe. <laughs> I was wearing some cheap shoes I bought from the market, funny <laughs> enough. And, um, and the, there was an imbalance, and they were causing you know, pretty, pretty excruciating back pain, funny enough. But... When I went to see the, the osteopath, I wasn't wearing my work shoes. Uh, so, okay. it, so it's that kind of thing all the time. I think that you've really got to kind of just try and look at the evidence. Now, my mate, uh, he had a problem with a, a, a loo he'd fitted. Every time the lady flushed it, there was a little pool of water on the floor. And he'd looked at it several times, and he was driving him nuts because she kept phoning him up saying, yeah, it's still leaking, still leaking. I said, well, is it the flush pipe? He said, no, no, it's not the flush pipe. He said, how do you know? Well, you know, it could be often. And I said, but how do you know? And he said, well, because I, I tightened it. I, it was okay when, when I fit it. I said, we've got to look at the flush pipe. And of course, it was all behind the tiles and everything else, you know. But we managed to find a small gap, get the torch, look in with the torch. Right, you flush it, I'll look. And of course, as soon as he flushed it, you could see the drip of water from the water. But... He'd been there several times and just assumed it wasn't a flashback. When you're fault-finding, you've got to use six senses. And one of them is obviously the intuition, but everything else has to come into play. Smelling, listening, everything. So how does someone coming into, like part of your training as a plumber or electrician, I guess it's different, how are you taught without that experience? What is the formula for fault-finding? Well, funnily enough, with electricians, there is a there is actually a a standard thing that they have to do as part of their exam and they have to go through it, it doesn't exist so much with plumbing but with electrical fault finding you do go through uh, of course you've got a meter yeah. but the first thing you're looking for is any physical signs of, 
of anything wrong is and, and also the smell like I said the smell comes into it so the hearing comes into it so you go in can you smell anything you know if there's a problem is there a smell of burning wiring or whatever you know if you've got a hundred watt bulb in a, a light fitting that's only rated oh, yeah. for 60 watts so yeah. all those things can come into it so you work your way through them and then of course you do your your diagnostic test and, and you put your your meter on there and you you, you check for earth continuity you check for um, you know you, you trip the, the RCDs because that's that, nowadays of course it, years ago you didn't have this problem so much but now the slightest thing goes wrong the RCD is tripping isn't it yeah. and, and again I say to people okay so the RCD is tripping so what were you doing well I was using the toaster now toasters are notorious for tripping the RCD yeah. because that bit of moisture from the bread goes between the live and the earth and it and yeah, trips it out. So, so you say to them, okay, so you're using the toaster. So take the toaster, unplug the toaster, go and switch the electricity back on and see what happens. And they go, oh, it's okay now. Well, there you are. So it's the toaster. So rather than call an electrician out, you're probably better off just ditching your toaster. It's going to be cheaper. Or just shake it out. Take the bread out of it. It'll probably be fine, you know. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the thing with the toaster and people just say, oh, just throw the toaster away because... I'm always surprised to see how quick people are to throw things away because everything's got so much cheaper now. I was just thinking that with that. Do you remember that the job we did and you had a problem with your fine multi-tool, didn't you? And it kept cutting out. Oh, yeah, yeah, Now, yeah. I know that's obviously not something you're going to throw away because that's like, what, 300 quid, something like that, isn't it? The yeah, fine yeah, multi-tool. Yeah. yeah. And um, I know you suspected that it was just a, a dodgy cable. So I thought, right... I'm going to have a look at that. And I think this is the thing, that people are afraid to take things apart and have yeah. a look. And if they, I'm not an expert of these kind of things, but so I think, right, all I need for entry here is a set of Torx screwdrivers. Yeah. 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 Guaranteed to invalidate warranties. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> so go in there, sometimes you've got that sticker, you just think, yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah, flick that sticker yeah. off and then take the, uh, took it apart. And you think, well, this is really basic and there's nothing complicated about this tool. So mm. I think, right, I can see there's two wires coming into it, a little, uh, little PCB. Mm. So I think, okay, I'm just going to take that out, take a couple of centimetres off of the cable, restrim it, plug it in, and bam, it's working again. It's fine. You think, so it's really simple, but you think until you take it apart, I, mean, I know it's not for everybody taking things apart, but not only is it great, it's just a great feeling to yeah. rescue something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so why did you charge me 70 quid? <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, you suspected, you knew what it was. Yeah, I think that's you knew what the fault was, didn't you? Yeah, no, I was cursing it because I, I was trying to work with a thing and it kept going. Well, that's the stupid thing. We were time. using it and we're thinking, yeah. oh, it'll work if we bend the cable around. Yeah, and you yeah. think, no, let's just, let's just, just fix it. So the problem, and this right. is the problem, of course, is that people don't stop, do they? With you, with a the, the computers you get all the time the same old same old thoughts don't you yeah I've had countless machines where my, like my dad or my wife at the shop the PC's broken mm. and you think okay get the case off open it up so first thing you see is just loads of dust in there so just vacuum out without placing the nozzle on the on the parts because that would just pull yeah. them out just yeah, get yeah. as much as you can out bit of an air duster and quite often just if you've got uh the, the cards that will come out, you know, your PC cards, yeah, I know. any removable parts, take them out, clear the dust out, yeah. bit of an air duster, yeah. reseat everything, nine times out of ten, it's working again. To be fair, you told me to do that, didn't you? And you yeah. know that, you know, I'm not the, um, I'm not the, the uh, let's put it this way, I don't do the vacuuming as often as I, <laughs> uh, as I might in my office. And you, no. you said to me, 
it's worth a try. Yeah, and actually, it was brilliant. I yeah. mean, I took the casing off, vacuumed the whole thing out yeah. completely, all I up think, and down. Yeah, I think and you could probably apply that to a lot of things. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe yeah. the, the difference it made. And that is, that's obviously heat, isn't it, causing that? Is yeah. it? It's the dust isn't a problem in itself. It's the fact that it... It overheats. No, that's right. I mean, it does. Uh, the, the, it tends to slow the fans down, and sometimes I've seen it so bad that it will it will stop the fan altogether. Just yeah, get so yeah. clogged up. Yeah. But that just that principle of just taking if I love taking things apart, mm. take it apart. Sure. Yeah. And just sometimes, even if it's something that uh, I mean, PCs have those cards, but a lot of other things that there aren't any things you can take out. But just wiggling everything, just reseat everything, and blow it out back on again yeah. and, uh, do you know the worst ones for me worst. is when I've been into people's houses and uh, I've kind of done exactly what you say you know I've just mm. just open it up I've just checked all the wirings in place everything's in place put it all back switch it on and it works mm. and they say oh so what was wrong <laughs> you've got to make something I up I haven't got a clue <laughs> what was wrong I just got lucky you know <laughs> and of course the danger with that of course is that you can go away again and it breaks down again so you haven't really solved problems. So if you've charged them and you don't know what the fault is, it's, it's a little bit difficult. So sometimes I say to them, look, I've fixed it, but I don't know how long it's going to last. Let's give it a go. Yeah. If it goes wrong again, I think you've got to be looking at a new boiler or whatever it is yeah. and, um, you know, go from there. Yeah. I remember years ago I did a, a job, Malcolm and Donald Campbell, you know, the Bluebird and the whole thing. Oh, yeah. It was their house. So I reckon this problem that I eventually found was them. It was their fault, but anyway, so the woman that lived in the house, she said, I've got this problem, I've got a leaking water main, you know, that was my thing, so I went around there, okay, so had a look, can't find any evidence of it, but I said, okay, she said, well, how much do you think it's going to cost? I said, well, it should only be a day's work, so I gave her a price for it, and I said, okay, dug a, uh, a trench, cut the water main off, tested it, so I could tell which side of that. Mm. and I was going to eliminate the thing down you know, and I just kept doing this and, and then the pipe disappeared under a tree I thought okay it's going under the tree it's coming out the other side and I went round the other side and I dug a little trench to try and find the pipe and I couldn't find it and I just kept digging round and digging and it got dark and I was like, oh, I'll come back tomorrow <laughs> and there's my money you know my 250 quid or whatever it was I was going to charge it I couldn't find this pipe and I just kept digging digging next day all the day went past still couldn't find this and I dug a trench all the way around this big old tree. And then it got into the third day. And she was going, oh, what was that? And how much is this costing me? And I said, well, it's not my fault. It's, you know, I said, oh, yeah, but you told me it was only going to cost me this much and all the rest of it, and I'm not made of money. Anyway, I eventually found the cause of the problem was that the pipe actually went up inside the tree, and it was leaking inside the tree. And I reckon what it was is a standpipe. Somebody put a garden standpipe on a tree... Yeah. and it stood there all those years and the tree had grown ah, right, okay. the tree had actually grown around it covered the standpipe so she's got a water meter this is the whole yeah. point she had a water meter which was costing her a fortune yeah. because this thing was leaking inside. and this tree looked beautiful because it was being fed with water all the time you know 24-7 so, so it looked fantastic and, and I eventually solved the problem poured the ground back and reinstated everything she drove up the drive in a brand new XJ12 and she'd just yeah. been and collected it yeah. from the garage moaning about your feet and I said to her oh that's nice she said yeah I treated myself <laughs> Which, she yeah. said treat yourself to some plumbing exactly <laughs> that's exactly what I was yeah. thinking yeah. she's bitching and moaning about my little door and as I say I'm never going to make any money out of these things because you've basically taken somebody's problem 
taking ownership of it, yeah. making it your problem. So it's tremendous when it works and you get it right. One thing you told me to do, or advised me to do, was uh, the, uh, the boiler here. Remember, you said, try getting a replacement board for it, see if it makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, right, I've never done a boiler before, so I followed Roger's well, instructions. Well, now here we must say, obviously everyone's going to be looking at us going, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, you're not gas safe, you're not this, you're not that. Now, yeah. legally, you can work on your own appliance yeah. in your own home and provided you're competent. And the reason that Dylan took the PCB out is because he didn't have to invade the gas part. No, that's right. It was, it was a straight yeah. forward swap, wasn't it? Yeah, so I, I was just going to say that. Before you no, absolutely, I was going to say that. Yeah, I, I was going to follow it up by saying, no, because we've had that, we've had it with, with somebody who said, oh, you shouldn't do that. And I, I think it's fair to say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of jobs you think, you need to approach it with the right qualifications. And I, I just think if you think there's something, you know what I'm capable of. Mm, so if yeah, I, yeah. you think I can do it, but mm. I would never have attempted it. But anyway, it's a happy it's ending. It's a computer It's problem. a happy ending, that's right. Because yeah. the board came out and I put the new one in, it's working. It was, uh, mm. it was good, it was a good outcome. And then of course, when I'm working with computers and electronic stuff, I have my anti-static wrist strap so I don't yeah you get that electric uh, give the PCB yeah that's right so it's going over yeah. even if it was even if it was correct procedures quite honestly the PCB is the biggest con mm. there is because you know when you look at them for a boiler and you're, you're talking about 180 quid or something like that and I know a, a, a lovely little Asian guy in South London who takes all these PCBs <clears> and he just Dobbs a little bit of solder because most of the time it's a dry joint yeah. on it. So you can fix them, you know? And yeah. so you can get the reconditioned PCB. So all the heating engineers, they know they take all their old boilers. If they take a boiler out, they give it to him, he takes all the good bits out of it, the mm. fan, everything else. And he's, he's got a great business. Yeah. Now people are going to be asking me for his address. So I have to well, find Well, people bit. are very quick to suggest replacing the PCB as well, aren't they? But so many people say, They've done it and it hasn't solved the problem. Yeah, <laughs> so I know. you've got a new PCV that they didn't even need. And, and that's that's the, you think about the service engineers. Now, I know a lot of people are on contracts now, but when you call a service engineer out, he said, oh, it's your PCB, isn't it? And uh, it's 180 quid plus the VAT, plus the call-out charge, plus everything else. So you're looking at sometimes, you know, the people are paying 400 quid, and probably people watching this or listening to this who will say, no, I had to pay 800 quid or something. Yeah. You know? And... You start looking at the cost of the boiler, and the boiler's 600 quid, and he's already gone and fleeced you for 400 mm. quid to, to stick a part in it. It didn't even need. So you are at the mercy of these people quite mm. a lot, obviously, which is why we try and do what we do on Ask Skill Builder, which yeah, is to help absolutely. people out with Well, it's funny you should mention Ask Skill Builder because I've got some faults, some common faults here, and I'm going to ask ah, you how okay. you would solve them but Excellent. obviously go we don't on. want it to this is sort of like a bit of a crossover here no, to no, ask the skill builder yeah, so cool. we'll call this section ask Roger <laughs> <laughs> problem number one pilot light keeps going out hmm. well if it's a permanent pilot which is not so common anymore but in, in the old days you used to have a pilot that was on all the time and then they did away with that because it wasted gas and so on but if it is a pilot that's permanent and it goes out and you light it and you listen and you can just hear it go click and it goes out. That's what they call a thermocouple, mm. which is the little, it's a flame proving device. If, if that pilot light goes out, what you don't want to happen is a load of gas to come into the boiler, unignited gas. Yeah. So that's a flame failure device. 
And that was the most common cause of that kind of thing. Now, of course, you've got a sequence with boilers where you can hear them and you can hear it start, a fan will start, the fan will send pressure to the sensing device, Mm -hmm. the the switch, and then if that switch feels the fan is is giving it the pressure, it will then tell the, the pilot to start firing up. So you can hear this click, 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 and if you look in, you should see the spark going. Mm. And sometimes, so it's because they're like an HT lead and they're like, you get on a car, they short out, very common. In fact, I had a case where the wind was blowing in the wrong direction and it was blowing rain in through the flue. Mm. And that had caused uh, moisture on the, yeah. on the, and of course then it was just shorting away. And of course, as soon as it's dried out, it's fine. So yeah, so do I pass on that one? Is that okay or not? Yeah. Is that a thermocouple? Yeah, uh, do you pass? Yes. Okay. I think you pass. I okay. thought you meant pass. So you want to pass no, no, on no, to no. the Sorry, next this question? Is the, this is the exam. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. So that's one. Okay, go on. Uh, now, strange rumble like boiling water coming from the boiler. Yeah. Now, that is very likely to be scale. Very likely that it actually needs to... What you need to do is put some furnox or sentinel or something like that boiler cleanser in fact what they used to call it they used to have different code names for all these things but then somebody had the bright idea of just calling it boiler noise reduction fluid or, <laughs> or something like that you know that kind of thing you know yeah. to cure the noise so so that's yeah so basically you, you inject that or you feed that into the system and it cleans the system out it used to be much more of a problem with the old cast iron boilers yeah. because the scale lined on the cast iron and then it, and then it just started rumbling and banging and it's not the only cause but it's it's the most common okay. cause. So what is that for a bonus point? What is the phenomena known as? With, Kettling. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's good you get the bonus point. It's because it's creating hot spots. The lime scale is creating hot spots or, or whatever's coated on the on the boiler. So so what's happening then when you heat water to to boiling point, the air in it expands. You've got a tiny little bit of boiling water inside of a load of water which isn't boiling, yeah. so that bubble will want to go up and it'll hit the cooler water, and as it hits the cooler water, it implodes. And that's where you get the bang from. Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> it's quite my good advanced, advanced plumber knowledge now. Okay, this, is, this isn't right, it might be a plumbing thing, I don't know. Damp patch on the wall with bubbling wallpaper. Right, now, damp is one of those questions, okay? You could say it was penetrating. Let's say it's more damp, let's say, wet, you know, bubbling, Yeah, wet. yeah, no, no, but what I'm saying is it could be penetrating, it could be rising damp if it's low down. Now, an indication of that is that if, if it's above a metre high, then it's probably not rising damp because rising damp tends to give up the ghost. It, the, the forces, the, the difference that makes the, the damp rise kind of gets neutralised just about around a metre high. So if it's up above that, mm. I'd be looking for penetrating damp, I'd be looking for something like a leaking rainwater pipe outside, anything that's causing water to come through the wall. If it's below that, I'd be looking at rising damp. But the other thing that you get quite a lot is condensation. Now, condensation is often mistaken for rising damp. Often I've seen people do roof repairs they've gone outside they've put all kinds of coatings on the brickwork outside to try and solve the problem and of course what it is is they just haven't got enough ventilation they've got moisture so what i do is get a bit of silver foil put it over the damp area and leave it there for a couple of days and if you find that there's moisture 
on this side, the side you can see of that cooking foil, then that is condensation. If you wipe your hand on it, you can see a film of moisture on it. It's being caused by condensation. And what that is is a cold spot that the airborne moisture is condensing on. If, if you don't see that moisture on that cooking foil on the outside, you take the cooking foil off the wall, just take the tape off, and look on the other side of it and see it damp on the other side of it, then it's likely that the damp is coming through and right. dry it. It helps to dry it out before you do that, if you can, but that, yeah. it's that kind of thing. But, but misdiagnosing damp problems is an industry in itself. Mm. And, and what people have to remember is very often when they get somebody around to solve a damp problem, they're salesmen. Yeah. They're looking to sell you their system, and, yeah. and there have been so many different systems over the years, you know, including metal rods that you put in, uh, little ceramic tubes that were very popular. Because people are desperate. They're yeah. desperate to solve rising damp problems. But I mean, funnily enough, the house I bought now, when the survey came back, the guy said, Oh, you've got a rising damp problem in a certain area. And um, they came in and they did a little and I couldn't do it because it needed the certificate on it mm. and they actually saw the, the mortar course with the chainsaw slipped in a new bit of damp proof course and it was fine and then I found out it was actually an overflowing gutter that was doing it oh, okay. so that was caused so which I could have done you know but, mm. but again it's a surveyor coming around and he sold us this system because he had a chainsaw and a couple of guys who went around doing this it was another job for him ka-ching oh. and he's on commission so you can kind of see where he's coming from, really, yeah. can't you? Yeah. But that's it. You know, you could, don't trust anybody. That's my <laughs> my motto in life. Even me, don't you know? Get a don't second. trust him. <laughs> don't don't trust me. Get get a second opinion. Don't just say, yeah. "Oh, phone that guy up," or you know, I've been on to ask Skill Builder. He's given me. It's an opinion. Mm. It's an opinion on what you want. Unless somebody's going to come in there and say, "Do you?" I'm going to fix it for you. And and the thing that I used to do quite a lot for people was saying, if I can't fix it, I won't charge you. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. You know, that did cost me a little bit of money sometimes, but in the main, it was actually and very, a few days digging a trench around the tree. Well, yeah, saying, but it, but it, you know, it was very much a. I mean, you know, when I did the drain clearance and everything, I said if I can't clear the blockage, you don't pay me. Yeah. And that was always competitive. Well, I think people like somebody that comes and owns the problem. Uh, yeah. They're in it for the long haul, rather yeah. than someone that. They think, eh, I, can't. I mean, I've had this recently with like uh, some, some tech support on something. You get these sites where they say, I will solve any problem for, you know, 50 quid or whatever. But when it didn't fit into one of the solutions that they know, yeah. they say, oh, yeah, I can't really, I yeah, know. I'm not really, you know, not really interested. And to be honest, I've spent a lot of time looking at it now. And they want to they wanna bail on you. So yeah, you've yeah. got to start the whole process again with somebody else. So. Yeah, and also the worst thing about that is you've got to start explaining that yeah, whole, absolutely. whole thing to a new person. You think, yeah. oh, here I go again. And, yeah. and that same person. I, I even had one person who's supposed to be the expert and their first question told me that they knew less than I did. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. oh, no, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is awful. That's right. you don't explain yeah, it's not good. Yeah. When I did my, my show on LBC, I used to get a fair number of people phoning me up and various things. And I had this one guy, and he phoned me up, and he said, you know, I live in North London, he said, um, I've got a problem with the insurance company. You know? and he said, I've got a claim in with them, and, and they're disputing what's going on. So... He said, I just wonder if you can give me an opinion. I'll pay you for it and all the rest of it. Mm. And, you know, fine. So I said, okay, look, come around there and look at it. And, and what it was is that he'd gone away on holiday and there'd been a plumbing leak and it flooded the house. The insurance company didn't want to pay out. His claim was, was 
absolutely massive. It's like £30,000 or something, you know. So I went around and I looked at this house and first thing I've noticed, this house was not in great state of repair, you know. It needed doing up. So it was all flooded out, no water damage everywhere, ceilings down, all the rest of it. You couldn't have been living in it in any meaningful sense, except for one room. And they'd done one room up and they were living in that one room and that was beautiful. And miraculously, that hadn't been damaged by the water. <laughs> the water had missed it. So immediately yeah. I thought, well, the insurance company, yeah. you know, they're smelling a rat here. Mm. But he, he said to me, what happened is that the one of the compression nuts on the plumbing the, the, going into the cold water tank in the loft had come loose. And he said, is it possible for it to come loose? I said, well, it's highly unlikely. It's no. highly unusual. I said, but I suppose if you've got a vibrating ball valve, because sometimes they do, they, they go like a musical instrument. They just start humming, you know? And Maybe they don't know the words. <laughs> be the one. So, so anyway, he's gone on holiday and this ball valve is just humming away and I'm thinking the vibration, it could loosen the nut and everything. He said, well, all I want you to say to the insurance company is that is possible because he said they're disputing this claim and if it goes to court and everything, I'll need somebody to stand there and say it is possible for a nut to work its way loose by vibration, you know? And I said, yeah, it is possible. But I was was smelling a rat as well. The the pattern of water, the whole thing, you know. I got in touch with a loss adjuster and just as luck would have it, he lived near me and I said, look, I just want to have a little quiet unofficial word with you because I've got an uneasy feeling about this thing and mm. the guy wants me to go to court I don't want to go to court and be humiliated or find that I'm helping him with a fraudulent yeah. claim or something and I said so what is it that persuades you that this is a fraudulent claim why are you not giving him the benefit of the doubt they're not even coming to him with an offer yeah. you know it's £30,000 so we're not paying anything the guy said to me and they didn't tell him this by the way the, the, the guy in the house, they said, well, he told us that he went on holiday for two weeks and while he was away, the house flooded and he said nobody had been into the house in the interim. They hadn't got anyone coming to water the plants or feed the cat or anything like that. So mm. they locked up the house, they set the burglar alarm and then they went away on holiday. They came back to this devastation and he said, so first thing we do, take the PCB out of the burglar alarm. Put that on a diagnostics machine. It tells us when the alarm was set, every single time that alarm has been set, the whole history of oh, that alarm. Yeah. Ah. He said, so we knew, even though he said nobody had been in the house, somebody had come along yeah. when they were supposed to be on holiday, entered the house, spent four hours in the house, yeah. and then reset the alarm ah. and gone out. Okay. And he said, yeah. and that was it. And actually, I found out about this afterwards because he did try and taken you know yeah. and, and they took him for fraud his wife ended up leaving him oh no well because she was what? she was complicit yeah and she was saying look you know you, you want me to perjure myself in court for yeah. you know so so in the end they, they, it cost him his, it cost him his house his divorce it was a nightmare situation but just goes to show you so he obviously you know, thought that the, the insurance the claims of Justo were just they're not stupid. They're just not thorough. Yeah, well, they exactly. just found the money but, out. But I mean, I'd never have thought of that in a million years, quite honestly, the burglar alarm thing. But the burglar alarm can tell you everything. Well, I hope you found that useful. It's a bit of a ramble, a bit different to uh, our other ones, but uh, that's the whole idea. A little bit of a relaxed chat. Yeah, that's right. And hopefully, you'll come back and listen again on our next podcast. What are we can talk about next time. 
Who knows? <laughs>